0: Welcome to the Lean Line podcast. Uh, I'm your host Chris. Hope you're doing well, staying safe. And we are back with the first of two podcasts this week, previewing Glasgow City's quarterfinal clash with Wolfsburg in the Champions League. Um, First up, I am joined by one of City's newest faces for the tie. Uh, In 2019, she scored 84 goals uh, during the course of the year, uh, the second highest total registered by any female player in the world world football and she's joined on loan from appalling ladies it's christina freder christina thank you very much for coming on the podcast hey chris thanks so much for having me no no problem at all um let's let's get the kind of the generic stuff out of the way how you doing how's how's the last kind of few months been for you it's obviously been a little bit different because you've kind of come over from it from Cyprus. but how's it been for you
1: yeah i mean it's been a crazy few months you know obviously with covid the like, league got cancelled in cyprus so it was kind of this point of just like well what do we do now um, we weren't even allowed to train, not to go to the gym. So it's probably like the longest off season I've had since I was like 10 years old. Um, but yeah, so it's doing really good over there. And then I, you know, I'm fortunate I'm here. I love it here in uh, Glasgow. It's so beautiful. The team's great. And yeah, I'm just really excited. And it's a really cool opportunity for me to kind of break out of Cyprus because I've been there for three years. So it, I'm really enjoying it, really enjoying the change of pace and, you know, getting to play with different players. So yeah, it's do- so far it's going really well. And Unfortunately, my time's almost over, but, you know, got to take advantage of what we can get, right?
0: You, you mentioned um, the fact that it's been the longest gap you've kind of gone without football, and it's all dissimilar for lots of people. How, have you found any difficulties during that gap, or is it something you feel like you've been able to cope with quite well?
1: Uh, I mean, during, because in Cyprus, we, we were actually in lockdown. I didn't leave my house, I think, for 58 days, um, which is quite long. So... I just kind of found like my rhythm, you know, waking up, I kind of have my program of my days to kind of keep schedules. And cause like as athletes, you know, we're used to having a schedule like training at this time, you know, all this stuff. So yeah, I just kind of found my own way to just cope with like being in the house all day and stuff and then working gym into that. And then, um, you know, finally when we were able to get out of the house, it was nice to be able to actually go to a gym or go to a field and stuff um the transition back into football it's been quite hard if I'm being honest because you know your legs are just not used to it you kind of lost like everything of your fitness so it's been really hard to come back into the team and I think a lot of the other girls are feeling the same um just you know trying to get back into it in such a short time I think we've only had a month and a half of contact training whereas you know like our opposition Wolfsburg they were playing games before you know or after COVID they played more games and they had their league and they finished so it's it's really different for both teams going into this match in the quarterfinal. So I think it'll be a big factor, but it'll kind of just be down to, to us to just kind of push through that tiredness that we're going to be feeling to make it to the end of the game and do whatever we can.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And it's something we'll talk about a little bit later on in terms of looking ahead to that game. But let's talk a little bit about you first, because um, obviously, new new name to a lot of people. Um, in terms of your growing up with football, what's your kind of early memories of, of kicking a ball about? What's your, your first thoughts when you think about football?
1: I just remember when I was younger I should have known I was supposed to be a striker because I would score all the goals in like rec football and so I would get to a point where my coach would put me in goal and I would still dribble up and go score <laughs> from there. so that's kind of my earliest memories but I just remember like always loving it like Saturdays when we'd go to the rec field to play it was just my favorite time of the week and I wouldn't ever want to leave but um yeah and then I I switched from rec to like academy like structure academy and that was just great and I I loved it. I loved traveling. I loved tournaments. So, yeah. And then I went to college and had a great time. So, yeah, just always brings me back to those days when I was playing goalkeeper and dribbling up to go score (laughs) goals.
0: (laughs) I mean, I think if there's anything that shows you've got a passion for scoring goals, I think it's dribbling up from goalkeeper uh, during a a kickabout game is definitely one way of doing it. Did you have any inspirations growing up? Was there anybody you looked up to as as a player?
1: I just loved watching Marta play honestly, because I live in New Jersey, where they had Sky Blue, who's in the NWSL, well, previously it was WPS, but yeah, I just remember every time that Marta came to play, and I saw her, it was just like, watching Magic, you know, like, she's just a brilliant player, and even now, she's still a brilliant player, so maybe one day, I'll either play with her, play against her, because I'd be just drinking true, I think.
0: That was going to be my next question: is that an opportunity you've had yet, or is is it still on the bucket
1: list? I have been able to play with some of the people I've looked up to, like, when I was at Sky Blue, I was playing there with like Chrissy Rampone, Natasha Kai. So I have had that opportunity, which is really cool. And even like, you know, I might not be young now, but I still have players I look up to. So those experiences I have had in the NWSL with going to camps and being in preseason, I have been able to meet a lot of players who I do look up to as players and as people as well. Cause you know, when you get to know them off of seeing them on the big screen, they're actually like really nice people, really encouraging and just push you to be better all around.
0: Yeah. And um, we've, with- We've talked about in the podcast quite a lot, kind of the collegiate system, um, especially with some of the Scotland national team players who have gone over and then kind of come back over to the UK. Growing up in America, did, is it always an aspiration for you? Was it always an aspiration for you to kind of do, kind of marry the sport and study aspect, uh, which you kind of got to that stage?
1: Um, I always knew I wanted to be a professional footballer. So for me, the school part was kind of just like, let's get through this. Um <laughs> No, in all honesty, I actually love, I love school, I love college, and I like learning, and I, I've been trying to get my master's for a little while now, but it just, like, hasn't worked out and stuff, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um. but yeah, so I love, it was great playing in college, because, you know, you, you have, like, practice, and you go to school, or class, and then you go back to practice, and then maybe you have a night class, and it's just, like, really chaotic, but, like, a good chaotic, because I felt like I was so overwhelmed with knowledge, and just not, like, school knowledge, but football knowledge as well, so yeah, I love that, but yeah definitely definitely really cared more about the football's side, if I'm being
0: honest <laughs> no I, th- I think that's totally understandable uh, it makes a lot of sense and um, you went to Winthorpe University um, yes. and I know that you were named in the all-time team of the decade there as well which is a nice wee mm-hmm. accolade to have Um yeah. from your time there is there any kind of moments that really stand out playing football for them that you just like always if somebody if you get nostalgic and you start thinking about things is there anything that ever pops into your head when it comes about your time there?
1: Um, I think there is one goal that I scored, um, that kind of always brings me back. It was our senior day, my sophomore year, and I was really close with our seniors that year and I scored against our rivals, um, like a cracker and it was just like so happy because I was able to score for my friends that were our seniors that year, but really the nostalgia for me is just, you know, I had my group of friends, there's five of us and like, just I had a great time in college with them and really they're still my best friends to this day so when I kind of think of college I actually think about them and being on the team with them and the different traveling experiences and living together and I think that's what kind of brings me back more but that goal I'll never forget that goal and I do actually watch it sometimes when I'm feeling down so yeah.
0: Oh, I mean it's great to have moments like that um in anything you do you always have that I mean i sure it's nice to have something to look back on like that um in terms of Kind of leaving college football and leaving college, I know you went for a training camp with Portland Thorns, um, and then you moved to to Finland to play for Lappi uh, United uh, in the top league in Finland. How how did that move come about in terms of that decision to kind of spread your wings and head to Europe?
1: Yeah, so um, so I went to Portland, right? And at the end of the the trial period, I was I had a debriefing meeting with Paul Riley. And we were chatting and he said, I want you to look at my list of all the players that I have here and I want you to see what I wrote next to your name that I didn't write next to anybody else. And so I looked and next to my name, it had a little star and it wrote abroad. And he told me, yeah, like for you, I see you going abroad and playing and being very, very successful and then maybe coming back to the U.S. if you want. But I think that you're going to love it abroad because I can tell from the way that you're playing. And I never really wanted to go abroad because I always wanted to play in the NBA It was like my dream. I wanted to play in America. I wanted to do this. But I was like, all right, well... Clearly, at least at this moment, it's not happening. And Paul's saying that I should go overseas. So why don't I do that? So I spoke to my agent and we had this team that wanted me. So it was like a really quick turnaround, like finished up Portland, went back and got my stuff and then kind of left to go to Finland. And yeah, I think definitely in looking back, that was the kind of the moment that sparked my career because um, I had never even wanted to consider going overseas until I, I was told by this like hugely successful coach that that's what I should do. Um, but yeah Finland was great I loved it we lived in this like really really small town up north and it like doesn't get dark in the summer at all like in Scotland it doesn't get dark until very late but like in the summer there it doesn't get dark ever so it's a really cool experience and you know really small town just like biking around and it was kind of a good experience I think for me to transition into that traveling abroad life because I wouldn't say I was nervous about it but it just wasn't in my plan so to actually take that step and do that it was really big for me and I'm really happy that I had the support of all my friends and family because, you know, it is hard to be so far away from your family. I think I see my family once a year for 10 days. yeah. So just, you know, having their support and just always calling me, checking in on me and making sure that I'm happy. And it's really meant a lot to me. But in the end, I, you know, I'm where I'm meant to be in Glasgow City now. So in the end, it all worked out from that point, I guess.
0: <laughs> <laughs> and in terms of kind of that experience, you said, and obviously you've mentioned Paul, who's successful uh, coach, obviously at North Carolina Courage at the moment. Um, in terms of that, if you were to speak to somebody who was in a similar position to you now, as you were back then, would you kind of back that decision to like move abroad? Would you have you had kind of no regrets in that regard?
1: One thousand percent, and that's actually which I think we're going to get to later. You said, but my website that I have—that's um, the real reason I made it—is because there's so many players that stop playing after college because they don't have opportunities in America, and they don't realize that there are so many opportunities to go play abroad. So yeah, I. I but definitely tell so many players that I've seen, like, they asked me, like, how did you get here? How'd you get here? I was like, it's actually not that hard. And if you really want to do it, I can help you. You can do this. So yeah, I think it's something that more players should do because there's so many opportunities for players, you know, it doesn't matter kind of what level you are because there's different leagues that can, you know, take different players at different levels, different ambitions, you know? So I think it's something that more players should do like in the long run.
0: Um, you actually, after spending some time in Finland, you went back to the States for a little bit and played in the UWS for New Jersey Copa FC. Never get tired of American football team names. They're always brilliant. <laughs> um, and then the opportunity came up to go to Cyprus. So in terms of that, that kind of season in the US, was that a kind of just filling a gap until European season opened up? What prompted the move back, um, back yeah. in the first place?
1: Yeah, so I actually, after Finland, I went back and I finished my college degree because I still had a semester left. And so after that I was kind of like all right, well, it's December, it's a weird time of the year, and I actually I went to preseason with Sky Blue. I went for open tryouts and I went with them and it didn't work out there, so I was like okay, well I do need a team now. Like I don't have anywhere to go. So that's what actually um I went to the UWS. Um to kind of fill that time period, but actually that I think that was a really good move for me because it really gave me a platform to showcase my my abilities in the US. And I was able to get seen and stuff. So yeah, that that was actually a really big move and I think it really actually helped me in the long run with my professional development because I was able to go into this club and I was kind of like the most experienced player which is weird for me to think back to um so yeah I was able to go there and actually help and I think and we, we were very successful we went to the national championship game unfortunately we lost on a bicycle kick in the last second of the game but I'm not bitter don't worry. It's <laughs>
0: That sounds that sounds very like Disney film way to lose a, a game as well. Bicycle, second, bicycle kick kicking the last yeah, minute. Of it, game. Was,
1: it was insane. But then, yeah, so after that, I went to, um, I called up Paul Riley and I was like, hey, um, in the U.S., like, he was at Western New York at the time, and I said, you know, can I come up and train with you guys? And he said, yeah, of course. So I went up there, and I was training with them until the end of their season, and they actually won that season, so that was really cool to kind of be in that atmosphere with them. Um, but then after that, I went to, I went on vacation, To Florida to visit visit some family, and I got a call from my agent when I was at the airport on the way back, and he said, "Hey, this team in Cyprus has been wanting you for like three years. Can you please just go there?" And at this point, I was actually still in the point where I kind of still wanted to play in America, Um, and I was like, "All right, well, I know some people that have played there. Let me call them and see, you know, what they think of it." So I called my friend Ashley Nick, who has played there before, and she was like, "You're not going to believe this, but we actually just arrived um, in Cyprus to play." So yeah, you should get your butt over here. And I was like, well, okay. So I flew from the, I was in the airport when I got the phone call. I flew home. I went home, packed my stuff. And within like four days, I was out the door to Cyprus. Very cool. Um, in terms
0: of Cyprus, for those that maybe don't know much about Cypriot women's football, I think that's probably a fair assumption fair, fair to make that maybe not a lot of people that know about it. Yeah, but for, the, for, the, for those that don't, um, how how would you kind of describe from your limited experiences here in Scotland and obviously in the States as well. How would you describe the kind of the level in Cyprus in terms of ability and infrastructure?
1: Um I'll be honest, like it's not the best. Um Cyprus is still developing in my opinion in the women's game. However this year there there's been big changes with you know with these men's clubs coming in and helping out with women's teams. So I think this is kind of the turning point. But when I arrived, it was like there I think there was like three or four competitive teams and then the rest were basically like the youth national team players just kind of like 15 year olds to 18 year olds just playing because there was no you know no professionals and money being brought into those teams um so it's kind of like a this dynasty I'll say kind of like Glasgow City here of Apollon Ladies that just was had taken over they'd won every championship every title every cup um so yeah that was cool because I went there and I was on that team that was like the champions upon champions and then I ended up switching teams to uh, (laughs) Barcelona FA and was able to dethrone them. So that was really a cool experience. Um, But since then, yeah, since that time when I arrived, I'd say that the level has actually gone up um, because, you know, people are investing and they see that maybe from that moment when we beat Apollon that, you know, they're not unbeatable, I would say. So that's, that's kind of cool. I would say in that aspect.
0: No, I I think obviously, you've had experience playing Glasgow City as well with uh, Barcelona FA and scoring against Glasgow City uh, at Peters Hill Park so yeah it's definitely an interesting one we've talked about goals a lot I want to talk about goals a little bit more um, because I mentioned right right at the start of the podcast you scored 84 times in 2019 Mm -hmm. one goal behind Megidocchi who plays for FK FK Neva in Albania do you two know about each other do you have a wee rivalry going or is this just something that you know is a stat that gets pulled out from somewhere because I know she beat you the year before as well, just...
1: Yeah. Um, I try not to think too much about it because it does bother me, if I'm being honest. It does bother me. <laughs> um, because also sometimes there were games in my league that I sat out because we were going to play a really easy team or so I could have actually beat her. So it's just kind of like, oh. But um, also she plays for the national team and those goals count towards that. So okay. this year coming up, I think maybe is my time to shine. But no, it is cool. It's a cool stat to see. Because, um, you know, everyone focuses on these big leagues, but there are players out there who are, you know, putting goals in. Granted, the leagues aren't the same caliber, but it still is important. And, you know, no one else is putting in those kind of goals. So it's a good thing to look at, I think.
0: Yeah, I mean, you have kind of touched on it already when you were talking about kind of playing in goal and running out. What, what is it about scoring goals that kind of revs your engine? What is it that? that makes you want to score goals? Because even at the, the training day last week when I was down, um, I was watching that and I could see that you were very keen, even in training, to try and score as many goals as possible. What, what is it about it that does it for you?
1: I don't know, really. Just, just like scoring goals. Like that's what I do. Just like always been what I do. Like if, there's this one really funny video. My grandma loves it and annoys, it annoys me. Like I can't watch it because I looks like a baby, like baby face. But it's one really funny video from the, in college when they did an interview, and I just they asked me what I love to do, and I said I love scoring goals. So even from back then, it's just like been my thing. I like just like when you score, and you know, like you accomplish that that task that like other people haven't done. I guess I don't know. I just love it.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Have you had a, a favorite goal? Like if you if you were told you had to pick one one goal, what what would it be?
1: Oh, I don't know. Not to sound cliche, maybe my Glasgow City goal. Maybe. Or that goal in college I told you about before. Yeah, probably one of those two, I think.
0: That's cool. No, nah, because I like goals. I think goals mean lots of different things to different people. So it's always cool to find that out. Um, before we leave Cyprus, one other thing we probably need to touch on, um, and I think you maybe hinted at it, which is you're now qualified to play for Cyprus, the national team. So, yes, hopefully.
1: Hopefully. Coming up in
0: September. So, as to uh, my next question, are you hoping to take on, well, first of all, hopefully the game's on. Let's let's get that bit out of the way, first of all. But um, are you hoping that um, if the game is on, you'll get to play against maybe some of your current Glasgow City teammates in September?
1: I am, and I've already told them to watch out because I'm <laughs> going to score on them. I told them that if I'm in that game, that I'm going to be coming for them. I don't care if they can beat us again 8-0, as long as we don't lose 8-0 and we lose 8-1. 8-1. But no, actually, I think that the it might be a little bit of a better matchup because now we're going to get into a little bit of the political side of it. But so like Scotland right now, they just kind of canceled all the women's trainings. Yeah. Um, Cyprus is not canceling women's trainings and the Cyprus league starts on the 12th of September. So actually the Cypriot players might actually be a little bit better prepared um, even with the quality that Scotland has, like maybe it actually will be a, re- a decent chance to, you know, keep the game a little bit closer and maybe two goals. Um And I know that Scotland wants to cancel the game, but if I'm Cyprus, I I think I want to play that game if I'm being honest. So it'll be interesting to see, but you know, at the end of the day, it is all about safety in these times and you don't want to kind of push people to do things they're not comfortable with, but I'm really looking forward to it. And I've kind of known since I've came here that I was going to be matching up against some of these girls. So, you know, I've been doing a little bit of of scouting to kind of (laughs) go back national team coach. (laughs)
0: Oh, I don't know how I feel about that. I mean, that's okay, I suppose. For <laughs> years, okay okay. Um, but, it's like, was it something that you knew was coming, or has it been something in the works for a wee while in terms of this opportunity to play for Cyprus, or is it something that's kind of sprung on you?
1: It's kind of been in the works. Um, I was trying to get my Polish citizenship, because I do have Polish um, grandparents and stuff, So, but it was a really long process, um, and then the opportunity came for me to get my Cyprus citizenship, and it was kind of like, okay, well, you know, Cyprus is actually like my second home, if I'm being yeah. honest, maybe even my first home at this point because I've been living there for so long and I've built my life there. So even if, you know, Poland does have a better team, I think that I'd still feel really much better about representing Cyprus because I know these girls, I know these people, I know this country and it's just kind of, it does mean something special to me. So I'll be really happy to be able to represent them on the national team stage.
0: Now, hopefully you get an opportunity to do that and um, hopefully it's 8-1. <laughs> Um, and let's move on to Glasgow City. So, obviously, signed on loan uh, for the uh, Champions League campaign. Uh, in terms of the the move itself, what was uh, how did it come about? Was it a case of somebody picking up the phone to you and saying, do you fancy coming in to play Wolfsburg?
1: Yeah, well, uh, so my agent knows Scott. Um, and I believe they were just chatting about maybe some other players. Or, I don't know. And it was kind of like, well, Christina Frieda's not really playing right now. Like, you know, she played against you before. And obviously Scott remembered who I was and it was kind of like, okay, well, you know, at this point we kind of need to strike her. So let's see what we can do. And so just kind of chatting and it was like, all right, let's get you out here. So that was really cool because this is the first time I've ever kind of been on loan. I think it's not something that's very common in the women's game. Yeah. Whereas in the men's game, it's like quite common. Hmm. Um, But yeah, so it was kind of like very sudden where I was like, boom 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 all right like here's your plane tickets like we'll look to see you soon um yeah but it's super exciting and like I'm so happy to be here honestly like I might sound cheesy all the time when I'm talking to people about how much I love it here but I really do except right now it just started pouring yes. so <laughs> maybe I can do a little bit less of that.
0: Um, I was going to ask you how have you found not quite as post-apocalyptic as it was before Glasgow obviously things have loosened up a little bit in the time that you've uh, you've been here how have you found Glasgow?
1: I love it. Um, I'm staying in the Clarkson area, so I get to like walk down and like sit at this little cafe, my favorite cafe that I've found when I've been here. It's called Eat Delhi. Yep. So I go there like as long as it's not raining. I usually go there if I have an off day or if I just have a couple hours. I'll go sit there and just like enjoy. Um, but like I've been down to the city center a couple of times. It's really awesome, and the people are the people here are so funny. Like they're just <laughs> so much sarcasm, which you know it's funny because like British people like really don't get sarcasm whereas i feel like scots are like that's they live on sarcasm like they eat yeah. it for breakfast so and i love that. that's my personality so i've been really getting along with all the girls and everybody that i've met here but in general I, I really like glasgow it's it's definitely a change of pace from cyprus where it's like hot and you're next to the beach all the time yeah but yeah it's it's a nice change
0: yeah i am so so loyal in glasgow as well so i'm, I'm not that far away from where you yeah. but uh yeah uh, i'm glasgow if i wasn't if i wasn't from glasgow I think Glasgow was as well, so I totally agree with you. But in terms of training, as I said, um, I was down last week when you were doing your training. How's the integration been? Because it's not even just the case of you're one of the new players. Has been a, I think there's been five or six new players come in at City. And also you've had to kind of do it in this week, kind of stages of groups and then slightly bigger groups. How has somebody come in how has that experience been for you?
1: I'm not going to lie, it's been hard. It has because, you know, you you have like small groups, you know, a lot to play like big stuff or, or, you know, a lot of really do much contact in the beginning. So you can't really, you know, get to know your other players without actually playing with them. Um, so that's been hard, but you know, as the, the weeks have gone on and we've been able to get more into it now, you know, we're playing like friendly matches. We're able to play big sided games and stuff. So it's definitely been a transition, but it honestly, I'm not where I would like to be going into this game, but you know, we can't really ask for more because we haven't had the time for it. Um and, you know, like kudos to Scott because I think he's done an amazing job with what little time and little ability of trainings that he has to yeah. work with. Um, but I think it is really hard. And, you know, as a player, you know, you want to beat your best. And I think it's just about trying to get maybe not to the best that we could be, but the best that we could be in this time that we're working with, I think. Um and then just kind of Taking whatever we can to that game but um I would say overall that the new players you know we have like five right so going into this game I think actually we are quite together and we do understand each other Mm -hmm. compared to like maybe just other players that have come in but or not I don't know what I just said that doesn't make sense but (laughs) the players that just come in actually are fitting in well yeah. with the players that have already been here. That's what I was trying to say. I think it's the weather, the rain. It's just messing with me. Maybe.
0: It's been really nice the last like couple of like weeks. Uh, yeah, so I can understand. I woke up this morning. And give me like this is bad audio. I'm about to do here, but Christina will see that I'm very dark, and it's because it's very dark just now um, in Glasgow. But yeah, sorry. Carry on.
1: No, no, That's what I was saying is that you know the players have come in. And we've done our best to kind of get to know each other, and we have actually hung out a lot off the pitch, which is nice because um, that kind of brings that team bonding thing in which I think helps on the, the field you know when you don't really have that much time to play together at least you understand each other's personalities and you can kind of have those those communication routes where you can speak to each other freely and stuff so yeah it it's been difficult but you know we're as the best place we can be I think.
0: Let's talk about Wilsburg. so obviously um, you're flying out Wednesday games on Friday um, I, I think probably the, for Wolfsburg, for people who maybe don't follow the women's game a lot they'll probably look at Wolfsburg in terms of the names that are in the quarterfinals and go oh that's that's probably you know the, the kindest draw and that's probably I mean I don't think it was any kind draw of, for Glasgow City at this stage I think it's probably fair to say but I think Wolfsburg in particular were maybe go a little underestimated they obviously just won the Bayern Bundesliga again uh, went the season undefeated uh, won the German Cup apparently was required in that one um, they did have a bit of a drop-off towards the end of the season well, what and they've got World Cup, like, quality players in terms of Alex Van Pop, and they've also got Pernier Harder. I'm just kind of writing stuff off now. I, I mean, it's it's more to demonstrate the size of the task that you face. In, in terms of facing that challenge, are you looking forward to it?
1: Oh, yeah. Like, for sure. <laughs> I've been looking forward to it since the moment I kind of heard about this potential opportunity to come here. I mean, you know, it's regardless of, you know, what kind of players they have, which obviously you can't ignore that. Mm. Um, we're looking at ninety minutes of football, which is, I think, the best case scenario for Glasgow City going into this match. Because you know, playing at home and away, like it's against Wolfsburg, like it's it's an unbeatable task, in my yeah. opinion. But now you know you have a neutral venue, you have you no know, fans coming in. You, you know, it's it's really the best case scenario. And going into that game, like you kind of just got to put out of your mind, I think, about the players that they have. Obviously, you need, you need to remember your tactics and stuff. Yeah, but you need to just remember that at the end of the day, it's eleven players against eleven players, and you know, the best side's are going to win. And he did say that Wolfsburg at the end of their season, they did have some some interesting games, 0-0 with Bayern, 3-3 with Essen in the cup final. So, you know, they kind of have shown some weaknesses where you can kind of strike at them, um, which is kind of things that we've been talking about and trying to work to see if we can maybe capitalize on those during the game. Um, I think it's, at the end of the day, what I think it's going to come down to is the players that show up with more heart and just drive and want to win. Um, Yeah, so hopefully that we can show out at that game and just kind of, you know, get the best result we can, I think.
0: Yeah, I mean, I I am inclined to agree with you. I know Scott said similar um, when I spoke to him about it as well in terms of if you were choosing between a two-legged and a one-legged game, I think a one-legged game is definitely the best shot um, at it. As a striker, um, and especially in a game such as this, where you would imagine City might not have a lot of chances compared to those But how how do you kind of prepare for that? Have you had an opportunity to hang that? do you I know some players like to get kinda of coached and other players like to kind of do it themselves. How how do you approach games like that? Do you spend a lot of time looking at defense or that's, what's your kind of take?
1: I do. I've watched a lot of a lot of video, if I'm being honest. <laughs> like probably too much video. Um just so I can see like their movements and where they create gaps and stuff. Um cuz yeah i mean it, it's kind of a lot of pressure you know if your team's going to only have one or two chances to score you basically have to score yeah um so it is a lot of pressure um but that's what i live for so at the same time it's kind of just like that's like what i thrive on so hopefully in that situation i'll be able to remember what i've been watching in the film and watching it learn about them to kind of just take what i can and literally run with it and go score <laughs>
0: <laughs> no, that sounds pretty pretty good. Um, let's let's move on and let's talk about your website, um, Women's World Soccer. Um, do you want to tell? I know you've touched on it already, but do you want to tell us a little bit more about it in terms of kind of what it is? What's what's that about?
1: Yeah, sure. So it's actually a three part website, and the first part is like the first part that I had designed it for, and it's like stats and standings and matches and everything like information from every women's league in the world just about, I think we're, we're down a couple, but it, the problem is that, which is why we created, is that there's not a lot of information available about women's leagues in countries that, you know, they're not big names. So I wanted to create this platform where you could go in and find every country, every league, every competition, and be able to find information about it. Um, the second part of the website is the journal, the WWS journal. And we share stories from players, coaches, behind the scenes staff, uh, women's national team players, about different experiences they've had and just kind of what their roles are in the team because we wanted to give people an insight on what goes on on the full scale of women's soccer, not just what happens on the pitch, at the post-match interview. Now we wanted people to see the person that carries the balls. What is it like for them? How do they get involved in the team? So we just wanted a really inclusive place for people to go and see, or even people that play on players who are on national teams who aren't big names and maybe some of the struggles that they go through because their country doesn't have as much money as like in England or, you know, Scotland or something. And then the third part of the website is the, the locker room where we actually, which is what I was talking about earlier, where we have resources for players. Because, you know, there are, like we said, a lot of players who kind of just stop after college and they don't realize that they can play abroad or, you know, take that next opportunity. So I wanted to have a place where they could use resources like mentorship programs or, you know, highlight videos or websites, like whatever they need to get them to that next level. I wanted to put that on there to kind of help them. So yeah, like my, my favorite part I think is the mentorship program. Cause it's a three month program where we can help players who are, it's designed basically from when players are going to transition out of college to their professional level. So we can help guide them through the all steps because I, I would love to see more players from abroad, like, or from the U S getting abroad and playing in these leagues. Cause I think it would be just a really good experience and really good show of the quality of players that we do have in America. Um, and, you know, there are a lot more that, we're going to be doing with the website um that are in the works so yeah just kind of stay tuned for that
0: <laughs> well, do. Uh, i was going to ask you a kind of more general question about kind of media coverage of women's football uh, in terms of mm-hmm. what what's your thoughts on it Um i know you've also had experiences of it now in a few different places be it state cyprus now the uk how how would you perceive it what's it in your term the current landscape of how women's football is kind of covered just now
1: <laughs> okay so here's the deal <laughs> i think it's funny that some big leagues don't have their games streamed. Whereas you can actually find streams matches from every game in Russia, in Chinese Taipei, in the WK league in, in South Korea. So it's kind of funny that, you know, the focus is on making money and let's use the NMSL challenge cup. They make everyone in the U S pay to watch on CVS all access or whatever, but like leagues here, They just stream the matches for free in Europe. They stream them on YouTube. They stream them on my Cujo. And so, like, look at what the FA player has done. The FA player for the English matches. It's an amazing program. It offers all the matches for national teams, the the leagues and everything for free. And, you know, I understand that people want to make money, but at the same time, how are you going to make money off these games if people don't watch them? Because then you're not going to have sponsors because sponsors are going to say, well, your numbers are low. You know, so it's kind of this trade-off like where, you know, do you charge to watch or do you let it go for free and you have sponsors come in? Because then, you know, you have more people watching the game and I think that's what it's all about is just getting people to watch the game. And even, we'll use the Challenge Cup, for example, again, the Challenge Cup had more viewers of the final than the MLS.
0: Yeah, I remember seeing that. Yeah, it was like 600 odd thousand to 350-ish thousand, if I remember. Yeah,
1: insane numbers. And, you know, you saw it in this year after the world cup with the Atletico Barcelona game when they like broke records for the amount of fans at the games. So, you know, there are these potentials out there for people to be interested in the sport. Um, but I think there's just not enough opportunities for them, whether it's, you know, they're charging an arm and like to watch the games or they're just not putting all the games. Like in Cyprus, we only have one game per week on the TV. So like for my team, I think my team will probably be on Three to four times on the TV, so it's just, in my opinion, it's not adequate enough. And I wish that more countries would do what like the FA player has done because it's brilliant, you know. But I don't want to go on too much about this (laughs) because I could probably (laughs) rant forever. But I mean, the media coverage, but like you do, I would say that actually, media coverage, as in like reporters and stories and news articles, are actually really, really good. Like, I'm on Twitter all the time, like, looking at different articles and stuff. And I actually love – I think it's been since kind of the World Cup time, like, leading up to the World Cup, when I've really started to be like, wow, like, we're actually getting the coverage we deserve. So that's been really exciting in that aspect. I just wish that the the visual coverage would kind of follow suit.
0: No, I I think that's fair. You're right, the FA player is great, um, especially – In Scotland, because there's so many Scottish players down there, it makes makes following them a lot easier. And I think you're right, there is that kind of debate around making it free. I mean, one of my bugbears, and this isn't about me, but I'm going to say one of my bugbears, which Mm -hmm. is clubs that treat the women's team as kind of premium content. So clubs that will maybe stream a a men's game for free or sell rights for a men's game, but then a women's game that isn't broadcast anywhere else, they'll put behind the paywall. And it's kind of that, as you are saying, how do you then get people... Interest in the women's team how do you get young female players who want to maybe look up to have their own heroes how do you get them to do that um and you're right there's also all these ways of doing it my my I absolutely love my Joe. you can just find absolutely anything on that um and actually even saturday night i find myself watching the solomon islands women's premier league on facebook watch because that's mm-hmm. now a thing so um yeah it's a definitely an interesting one if you could if you could change one thing if you if you had the the magic stick and you had one thing that you would change, what what would it be?
1: Oh God, I don't know. That's a that's too much power. I think. I think <laughs> I would. Here you go. Equal pay across the board.
0: Equal pay. That's yes. that's pretty fair. Like,
1: you know, uh, okay, I'm going go another rant really quick before we, I don't know if we're almost done. No, nah, no, nah, nah,
0: it's it's up to you. I, I'm I'm easy.
1: <laughs> back to the COVID times, you know. As a female footballer, it was really, really frustrating to sit here and watch all these men talk about how they're getting salaries reduced. And instead of making like 60 grand a week, they're making like 20 grand a week. And I'm just thinking like that's what most women's footballers make in a year, if we make that. yeah. And so that was really, really frustrating during this whole COVID time. And, you know, you see women's players who are sacrificing maybe bits of their salaries to help pay back in staff, whereas these men's players are – are crying that they're losing like some thousands of dollars. Like sorry that you can't go out and buy a house with the money that you're losing. But yeah, it, it it was really frustrating for me to see that honestly. And I know a lot of players felt the same. Um just another one of the discrepancies between men and women's football. Just the money, the pay gap. But okay, that's what it is. And hopefully soon it'll start to get better.
0: How how did it on that, how did it feel last week when all the Canon kind of News was breaking in Scotland about meds players in the Scottish Premiership, kind of breaking the, the kind of standards. How did how did you feel as a player about it? Because I spoke a couple spoke to a couple of people last week, and obviously weren't, weren't too chuffed. How, how did you feel, especially coming over as you have in, in this kind of short term deal?
1: Yeah, you know, and they were saying like, oh, well, they're they're still human. They're allowed to do. They're allowed to go out. They're allowed to have lives. Excuse me. We've been basically. I'm not going to say house arrest, but we've been choosing to stay in our houses as much as possible. If we do go out, we make sure that we're safe. We make sure that we're not going within contact range of people. We're staying our distances. So I don't really have any sympathy for players that are going out to pubs because none of our players have gone out to a pub since we've started training because we know that if we go to a pub, if someone gets positive, we're done. And so it's just about kind of putting your, your sport and your team over yourself, I think, at the end of the day. And I think it's funny that the women's players are doing that and the men's players are kind of just doing whatever they want. And it's not just in in here too. You know, there's, I saw stories about players in America in college who were kicked out of college because they were having parties. So it's just funny that, you know, the people who I think in my opinion are paid, really underpaid are doing what they're supposed to do. And the players who are making the big bucks are kind of just doing whatever they want. But that's my two cents.
0: Nah, and that's why I ask, because I think it's always good to get opinions about this, because uh, I, I can sit here as a, as a fan and kind of get annoyed about it, but as somebody who has to kind of devote the time that, that you and everybody at Glasgow City has just now, um, in terms of preparation for this, this game against Wolfsburg, um, I think it's also good to get that kind of insight. Um, one last question then, before I let you go and maybe get an umbrella out to go for a, for a wee coffee. <laughs> <laughs> um once uh, your time of the over, what's, what's the next episode just in case of heading back to Cyprus? Um, have you got
1: any further plans? So as of now the plan is to go back to Cyprus. Um, yeah, can't really say too much but as of right now the plan is just to go back to Cyprus but, but I'm hoping that you guys will see me again in the future and I'll leave it at that.
0: Okay, uh, I'll let you leave it at that. Um, Christina, thank you very much for coming on the podcast. I really appreciate it.
1: Awesome. Thank you so much for having me. It's been a really nice chat.
0: No problem. And thank you very much for listening. If you like this, please share, uh, subscribe to the podcast. It's on all the usual places, Spotify, Apple, Google Podcasts. We'll also have podcast this week with a German football expert to talk about Wolfsburg. And we'll have some previews up on the website as well. But until next time, thank you very much for listening. Stay safe and we'll speak again soon.